Welcome to the Quality Under Pressure podcast, a podcast that reminds you that a conversation is still a beautiful thing. My name is Min, and I am in a studio with a former guest of ours, JJ. How you doing, brother? Doing well, doing well. And we just got back from a special early screening of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's mm-hmm. latest, ninth and latest film. Uh, first impression, JJ. First impression. Um, liked it. Liked yeah. it. Definitely liked it. Uh you know, I've always been a Tarantino fan, which is why you invited me along on this, and I'm uh, thankful for that. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, if you're a Tarantino fan, I think you will like the movie. Yes. If you're not a Tarantino fan, you'll still probably like the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what is your favorite Tarantino movie? Favorite Tarantino movie? Uh, you know, it's a tough one to pick. Um, I think, you know, he does so many well ones. Uh, if I had to choose one, I always loved Django. I yeah. I, I really liked that one. It was a it was one of a, a departure for him at that time kind of thing. I mean, I suppose he had just done Inglorious Bastards as well. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... Uh, I just really loved Jamie Foxx, loved the soundtrack. Yeah. And loved, uh, you know, the acting and... What yeah. is your second favorite, then? Probably Inglorious Bastards. Okay, Inglorious is. I mean, it's like you said, it's a tough choice. Inglorious comes in at number one for me. I think that's the one I can always just sort of go back and watch, mm-hmm. no matter like the mood I'm in. So that one, but then two A two B is probably Pulp Fiction and Django for me. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, too. Like, when we talked about this, or when we initially, I almost, like, forgot for a second that he made the Kill Bills. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, when I was like, oh, yeah, what else? And I was like, oh, of course, the Kill Bills. Right. Um, yeah. Interesting that we also kind of brought up his, you know, middle-of-the-road work. It's, you know, not it's not his early work. It's not yeah. his most recent work. Our favorite is right in the middle right now. For yeah. Him. But we do we both agree that we like Hateful Eight the least out of his collection? Or, like, what is your least favorite? It's one of those where, yeah, if you had, uh, what's that old saying? I don't know, but, like, where if you have to choose one, you know, you're still choosing a very good movie. But, oh, yes, yeah. I would say Hateful Eight. Okay, um, okay. That was, like, you know, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the acting and all that, and everything was beautiful about it. But, you know, once again, when it's the equivalent of saying, okay, what's your least favorite, and still giving that one a B plus, A minus right, right, kind of right. thing. Like, so. Yeah, that for, for me... So I think we're going to talk about this with this movie, too. But in, the thing that bothered me, I think, about Hateful Eight is it almost felt like that was meant for the stage. Mm-hmm. And they sort of morphed it into a movie. And there were just things that didn't connect for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's parts of this movie that do the same thing. But before we like d- dig into the movie as a whole, favorite character in this one? Uh, it's got to be the dog. No, I'm kidding. Oh, nice. <laughs> the dog is awesome. The though. dog is a great element to it. Um, you know, you know, it's going to be, you know, the, everyone when they look back at this, they're going to probably look back at the two leading men between Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, if I had to say, you know, between the two of them, who I would go with Leo, I think, on this one. Oh, wow. I, I enjoyed Brad's charm, but Leo did the better, like, flexing his acting muscles in sure. it, where, you know, I think Brad was just his normal, charming self kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So. Well, Leo also had this, like, meta part, like, too, where mm-hmm. he he's acting as this Rick Dalton, the mm-hmm. character, but Rick Dalton is an actor, so somehow, while he's acting, he needs to turn off and on 
bad acting and good acting because mm-hmm. he's like this actor in turmoil. Yep. So there are times where, like, because of the anxiety, he's a bad actor. Yep. And how do you show that on screen while you're acting? So it's kind of like this clusterfuck, but, yeah. like, he does a good job. Oh, he definitely does. I've heard, like, you know, at times, um, you know, there's, I don't know where I heard it, but it was essentially, like, the, like some, the toughest acting is act, acting as though you're being a bad actor yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. That's interesting that so I mean I think Tarantino builds so many great characters, even like sometimes in his films, like some of the minor characters. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, like like make a movie about that. Yeah. I wish I could see that person more. Yeah. So it's interesting. I agree, like it probably comes down like there's not too many characters outside of the two dudes that like get a prominent screen time Mm -hmm. and so but i would i would say i liked brad like i get your point about flexing your acting muscles Mm -hmm. but i like brad pitt's character i don't know there's Uh something like and you said it too there's something really charming about Mm -hmm. the character um and i think with tarantino movies why i like it so his movie so much is the dark humor Mm -hmm. and i feel like pitt's character carries a lot more of that in this film Certainly, yeah. He was he was much more of the uh, comedy heavyweight in this one, which is you know a rare thing to, I think to say for Brad Pitt. But yeah, you know, he's he's done it in his past. He's he's got uh, he's he's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't think this is giving anything away because people have talked about it in the press and it's in the trailer. But uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's meltdown scene in his trailer. That's pretty good. Yep, that's that 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 was the uh, acting muscles that I was referring to to some level. That also one of his you know scenes as uh, what was it like you know he was basically when he, it was one of his acting scenes within the movie itself. Mm-hmm. He did a great job as a villain, which is also kind of interesting to me too because uh, I was going to ask you about this to some level where you know. He, Leo, as a young man, was always sort of our heartthrob. You know, yeah. maybe not our heartthrob, but certainly my <laughs> wife's heartthrob. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see that in his two Tarantino movies, he, well, of course, at first in Django, he was the bad guy. He was a yeah. slave owner. And in this one, basically, he's a good guy. His character is a, an actor who is a originally leading man, good guy, yeah. turned bad guy. Yeah. And so, and then now, and then basically he flexes those acting muscles as a bad guy. So I'm wondering if there's anything like meta about that. Yeah. But, uh, like who knows kind of thing. What are your thoughts? On, yeah, like... it's weird, man. Tarantino does tie in sort of weird things and has like nods to his old movies. Like the, the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. It's always the Apple brand cigarettes. It's no. crazy to like see that. And then people do a lot of theory crafting online where they're like is so like even in bastards like that's set further back in like world war ii mm-hmm. and so like people are like saying like could like this person's child be this character in like pulp fiction mm-hmm. and it's just like crazy how things tie together people <laughs> think all of his all of his movies are in one universe oh, just different times okay so yeah, it's, that stuff is really interesting. Also, I saw uh, there was a nod to Bastards because one of my favorite moments in Bastards is Antonio Magarete. And so there's a poster where I think one of the directors uh, is Antonio Margaretti. So I was just like, oh, I wonder where that, like, if there was more yeah. backstory that we could catch. <laughs> I, I wonder if there's stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch that one. But I, did, I saw a few, too, where there were some nods to it. Uh, there was one where, you know... Uh, Leonardo's uh, 
actor role played you know basically a nazi killer yeah <laughs> and yeah. then there was the other one at the like towards the end when the two of them are getting out of a cab and uh um, and then Brad Pitt like says to the driver, he's like, "Grazie." Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, he was. He spoke Italian and then like switched to Spanish like right, right after. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's that's awesome. That's awesome that you catch those things too as a Tarantino fan. Mm. So the thing about Tarantino is like a lot of people that while growing up and watching his films, a lot of the criticism was. I don't get why he has that or like that conversation at like a dining room table. Like, what is it? So, like, even take for the beginning, the beginning of Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. the the husband and wife or girlfriend and boyfriend before they ro- rob the diner, yep. they have this conversation, and it's totally unnecessary when you think about just like traditional movie making. Like, what mm-hmm. does that? Like, where does that get us to? But it's just like for me. It's it was still so entertaining and there is elements of like character building, world building and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that's mostly the criticism is Tarantino is too much excess. Uh, excess. And so uh so I've always heard that criticism but I've never agreed with it until Hateful 8 and that carried over into this film a little bit for me. If for me it was why are there so many cars? And people driving in cars. The first couple of times is cool because it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. But then eventually it got to, why are we cutting to so many shots of people driving around in cars and listening to the radio? You didn't have as much like a weird feeling about that as I did. No, I didn't. I think, you know, for me, you know, it was, of course, uh, well shot. Um, the music, uh, you know, Tarantino's always got great soundtracks. This one's a little bit different than the ones in the past because it's uh, predominantly old songs that mm-hmm. were already existed. They didn't create music for this one. Um, so I enjoyed them. And also, I tend to wonder, too, and you and I both don't really know because we never lived during that period, is that a very, like, you know, does that resonate with the period? Do people have those strong memories yeah. or emotional memories of driving in their cars and listening to music with the windows down and all that stuff? I mean, we still do to this day, but, you know, uh, especially with those 60s songs, you know, does that trigger an emotional memory for them that, you know, maybe it doesn't trigger for us? Kind yeah, of yeah, because so. I, I totally agree. Like, music is such a big part of his movies. Mm-hmm. And then where in the other films, maybe because they're original songs, and we were talking about this earlier, the, the beautiful thing that he does is the music doesn't perfectly match the scene, but it still works perfectly. Mm-hmm. And this one, I feel like if you weren't anchored in that era, like it doesn't it doesn't resonate with everyone as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Uh. So like the mu- the music piece for me wasn't as special. So like every time they cut to someone driving in a car and just playing the radio and like listening to it. It's like Jesus. When is when is the movie going to progress? Mm-hmm. So there, there are just so many feelings of like, why did that? Why did that happen? And so like, even the structure of the movie, without trying to give too much away, and I don't think I am, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll just cut it out if if we think it is. But as, like we were saying on the way over here, like eighty percent, the first eighty percent of the movie, for me is why did that happen? And then there's this huge payoff. Um, and it becomes like this, I don't know, almost like truly Tarantino moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, is is did that did that bug you at all? Like, what is the point of the first eighty percent of the movie? 
Maybe it goes back to something a little bit that you were talking about prior to, which is the whole world building. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he, this one, in my mind, did an excellent job of creating a world. Totally. I definitely believed that that world existed um, and, it, that, and that those two lead characters existed in that world. I mean, because basically it is, you know, Hollywood from the six, or like basically takes place in 1969. Uh, so, you know, it does feel at times that, you know, these individuals truly like lived in that time frame and that like were like because some of the things that they do are not actually based in history but yeah so I, I don't know i would say that i think they did a great job of world building and while the ending you know one might argue has nothing to do with the first 80 percent of it <laughs> you know it, it, it still i think you know it's because you're invested in the characters that yeah. it becomes a little bit more Interesting. I think that's a great point. So, like, Hateful Eight, like I said, I felt like it was supposed to be for the stage. And, I mean, it's, like, one location and all of this. And so I almost felt like with that movie, that was Tarantino trying to... Gimmick isn't the right word, but trying to use, like, one mechanism and mm -hmm. saying, can I write something around this? Mm -hmm. For this movie, it almost felt like that, that world building. Can I bring back Hollywood in the late 60s and then can I make a movie around that? So it was almost just a love. It was just like the story itself was just a love story mm -hmm. to that era of Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, it's another in general. I think it's a Tarantino love letter, not to just the you know old Hollywood, but also I mean, maybe maybe what I'm not saying is the, the right thing here. But like basically, you know, this the Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a Western movie star, mm -hmm. and you know, like Quentin Tarantino loves westerns, yeah. and so it's basically, you know, I think somewhat like him, you know, romanticizing what it could have been like had he been around during that time frame, sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know how to set this next point up, but I thought you made one of the best points leaving the film. Um, so Tarantino movies are obviously violent. Which one is do you think is the most violent? I kind of feel like Django is. Yeah, a Django or Glorious Bastards. Well, I don't know. I mean, a Django or Kill Bill? I mean, I was about to say Kill Bill. I have a feeling that it had that scene in Kill Bill not gone black and white. That yes. would have been a very uh, yes. uh, graphic scene. I mean, I think that's just, you know, something that goes with Tarantino's territory is like, you know, the sort of graphic, uh, almost gory uh, way of... Uh, violence but so. he does it so gory and so like colorful yeah yeah so it's it's almost like it it's and that's what he argues do you remember that interview he had with that one i think it was when he was promoting kill bill mm -hmm. and it was just like some local like movie reviewer and she's like why do your movies have to be so violent it's influencing chi like children see these movies and like it it changes their personalities and he's like because like Movies are just fun and it's fake, yeah. you know. And so, like, he makes it so obvious. I think one of the, one of, there's, there's, I think only one moment where I was watching a Tarantino film and the violence was so real. It like I was like I felt uncomfortable, and it was in Django yep. yeah. with the dogs. Yeah. Okay. Do you yeah. remember what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was the only time I feel like I was watching a Tarantino movie and the violence made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think he did that on purpose. Yeah. And he was it's not supposed to be a joke. No, like, I don't know if he's making a joke out of the violence and other things. No, yes. but like, yeah. Yeah. This one was like for that one that was not a joking matter. Yeah. Like, so. so I thought you made this great point where so the in in the movie ah, no, I can't I can't even bring it up because 
it's like one of these things where like the first 80% of the movie, mm-hmm. I feel like we could talk about and it doesn't give away the punch at the end. Mm-hmm. But this is sort of towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a there's a point where the movie talks about how Hollywood and all the how it glor- glorifies violence. Mm-hmm. Um, they were saying like, well, society and culture is violent because we were taught to be violent mm-hmm. via Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought your point about that was brilliant. And it was almost Tarantino mocking um, that because the people that argue that in the movie look so ridiculous mm-hmm. when they make that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, wow, that's that's Tarantino yeah. saying like, this, this is filmmaking. This is Hollywood. This mm-hmm. is filmmaking. This is fake. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I took away with that as well. And, you know, it, it, uh, like, you know, obviously we'll be able to digest it a little bit more. But, yeah, those characters, I'm interested to know a little bit more of, like, the motives. I mean, it's, I guess it's no secret that those characters are basically cult or people that are of the occult. Not of the occult, I suppose. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, part of uh, Manson's cult, essentially. And so, yeah, that was – it was a very interesting take because it was like, all right, are these – you know, is this a, you know, him reflecting on, you know, what society's saying about him and what does he yeah. believe then about, like, if, if he thinks that these people are a cult, a part are cult members, what does that say? To? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, what I said there was pretty ambiguous, but it's like something where I'm still trying to digest, like, you know, some of the, you know, when you watch a film like that or watch any sort of Tarantino film, you believe that there's more like, you know, higher arcs that yeah. you're, and you want to like start connecting those dots a little bit more. Yeah, so. that's the the downfall of reviewing a movie 10 minutes after you watch it. Because <laughs> yeah. for me, yeah, totally. Every time I watch a Tarantino movie, I have to digest it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I actually remember I saw Bastards in theaters. I walked out and I was like, you know, that might be my least favorite Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Now it's my favorite Tarantino mm-hmm. movie. So I don't know how this could switch. I almost felt that way about Hateful Eight because that happened to me for Bastards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe like in a month I'll want to watch Hateful Eight again. And I've never watched that movie twice. Interesting. Yeah. Have you seen it more than once? I've not seen it more than okay. once. So maybe maybe we're due for another showing. You know, yeah, maybe. See what it, see how we uh, review it differently. I think I told you a while back too that like you know a movie. I don't know we're reviewing this movie, but a movie that was very similar to that to me was uh, uh, There Will Be Blood, where I walked out of oh, the theater. Yeah. And I was like, this movie, that, that movie was awful. Yeah, and then I saw it a second time around. And I was like, this is one of my favorite movies. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Um, okay, because sometimes you know when you walk out of a th- like a like you haven't fully digested what you saw essentially. Yeah, so. yeah. Before we give our overall ratings for the film, mm-hmm. um, why does Margot Robbie look like that? Why does she, why does she look so amazing? Oh, I, well, yeah. <laughs> she's got she's got swag. I think that you know has something to do with it. Yeah, she. I was actually surprised that she, she didn't play a bigger role. Me in too. Them, I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I totally expected it was going to be okay. This like the two men and the woman and the how th- how all three of them work together kind of thing and yeah I was actually very surprised to see that she didn't get as much uh, screen time as probably she deserves yeah you know? yeah I thought that too um I can't we can't fully talk about this um but like obviously there are fictional characters and real life characters mm-hmm. and Margot Robbie is Sharon Tate and um I think we left thinking. That was a brilliant choice. I won't disclose why, mm-hmm. um, but we left thinking like that is that is such a cool like story piece 
that he put in a real character and everyone knows mm-hmm. the history of that person yep. without that i we i think we both thought it would take a lot away from the movie yeah yeah i mean like yeah you as we were going in you told me that a little piece and then i was like oh interesting yeah but had i viewed it had i watched it without that knowledge i think i would have thought a lot different about the film yeah yeah so, so i'm excited for people to see how sharon tate's role in the movie how that all comes together Mm -hmm. and people have expectations going in um and to see how that all like just coalesces for viewers Mm -hmm. all right so overall rating what would you give this are we talking what's our scale it's like zero minus zero to ten zero to ten um you know i i think i would overall give it a eight point Seven. Nice, dude. That was my original. I know was... you told me. That's why I took it. Oh, <laughs> but but you were in that ballpark. I said anyways. like eight point six originally. You're yeah, like, I was gonna say eight point seven. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna give it an eight point seven. You know, leaving again, like we we talked about, like I thought Inglorious Bastards was his worst one, but now it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Hateful Eight is still my least fa- favorite out of the Tarantino films, and I thought this one was. My second second least favorite. Okay. Um, but I I still almost gave it an eight point seven, and then I was just like, I'm only giving that because I like Tarantino. Mm-hmm. So I like I'm adjusting for my infatuation. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving it an eight point one. He's he's got a weighted grade for you. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> I have to. Yeah. So yeah, eight point one, eight point seven for you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Interesting. So why is it so? In maybe like you know. A couple words. Why is it that you know this one falls, you know, that low on your like Tarantino list? Well, that's the, like Kill Bill. Even uh, so, I I was I rewatched Pulp Fiction before going into this, mm-hmm. and that one, that movie too, like it doesn't really. There's so many different. It was just like this mashup of like different scenes, mm-hmm. but it still it still worked. Every scene was like. Imp- felt important to me mm. where like kill bill inglorious bastards django it follows like what it there's a beginning and an end and it all makes sense and it's just like watching any any other movie except tarantino wrote it the the dark humor is there mm-hmm. um hateful eight it felt so constrained and limited this one like i've been saying like it just missed that like there's nothing connecting the entire movie through and then 80% of the way, like, shit happens. Mm-hmm. And the final, like, the fi- the finale to me was all of Tarantino's over-the-top violence. It was all of his, not all of his dark humor, because there were some really good moments. I thought I thought the, the scene between Brad Pitt and uh, Bruce Lee, Bruce, yeah. that was still, like, one of my favorite. And that mm-hmm. happens, what, like, 20% of the in, in yeah. to the movie. And I thought that part was brilliant. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the comedy is still there. Yep. I think the story weaving and like connecting things and making it feel like, hey, like we're working towards something. Like Bastards for me is like, yeah, like awesome. Like they're going to have this opportunity to kill Hitler, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like this huge payoff. This one's just like, wh- where are we going? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it. You know, to me, it depends on what your definition of payoff is, because I guess you know, kind of goes into what you've already alluded at is like the violence. Is the violence the payoff for you, or is it really just truly the, uh, you know, conclusion of the film? Is it you know? I think that for yeah, that, certainly this one is probably the least violent of his films, and yeah. it, it's a big departure for him. 
Um, and yeah, he kind of built his uh, world more around actual character development and yeah. like, you know, individuals rather than, you know, having some sort of we're marching towards some sort of conclusive yeah. ending sort of thing. That's, you know, we wonder too, like, you know, if, it, if that's more artistic to some level, you know, we all believe we have purpose and we're yeah. marching towards something. But like, is this more realistic, yeah. like, you know, where it's like, you know, just we have random narratives that are weaving together and sometimes they get a little crazy. That's a great point. I mean, we talked about that partly on the way over here too, but like boyhood was like, that's, that Mm -hmm. doesn't work towards anything, but Mm -hmm. I love that movie. So it's a weird disconnect for me where how do I love something like that? Um, But Mm -hmm. like this, like bothered me in a way I'm like, what, what, what are we getting after here? Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to see, you know, maybe we have to do another recording and, a couple days and see what our thoughts are you know after we uh you know stew with it a little yeah does the did the did the violence at the end like what was your what was your opinion on that um because at one moment i heard you go oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah um um, I mean, because I was going to say that, like, you know, we, were, we weren't going to try to give away too much of the I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. We somehow like, got to this point. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's, you know, it, it's almost similar to the movie. The first 80% was us talking about it, and then we finally <laughs> just got it to the final 20%. Um, you know, it was very, I, I, I mean, I... It is weird. It's There's something that kind of makes you feel sadistic about, like, Almost like when you watch it, you're like, oh, like, yeah, like you're almost like half laughing at some of it, too. And you're just yeah. like, why am I laughing at this? Like, that's weird. Like, Doesn't he do violence? Ah, oh, never mind. I was going to say, I guess like Kill Bill was so cartoony. Mm-hmm. It was just like he would like, like they would dice off arms. And you would like see it like flip into the like the yeah. arm flip into the air. This one was. Well, and there's also that literal cartoon in the movie. as yeah. well. <laughs> like, Damn, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I think my point's invalid, <laughs> so I won't even go there. Yeah. But yeah, so 8.7, 8.1. I'm interested yeah. to hear uh, what everyone else thinks about it, too. Yeah, me too. Let cool. us know. Yeah, cool, man. Well, thanks for joining me today, JJ. Yes, thanks for having me. And come back on as a guest soon. I will, I will. Maybe after uh, you become a Faja. I know, three weeks, three weeks. You're going to have to tell us like what that experience is like. <laughs> All right, well, All right. I'm going to take us out of here.